Welcome everyone to the Real World Podcast. Sorry, we're laughing. Uh, I love you, mother. I love you too, Bri. This is a podcast <laughs> with a mother and son just talking about general issues that we all struggle with as we're involved in our faith and as we're involved in life. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. Today, we are talking about the image of God and how that relates to our lives. Yeah, it's pretty interesting when I was doing my research on this, like I definitely learned some things, so... Yeah, there's there's a whole lot of stuff about the image of God. So first, I think the most important thing is actually to read some scripture. Mm -hmm. For those of you who aren't familiar with the image of God, it's actually, despite how much people talk about it and what it really means, it's there's not a whole lot of references to it in scripture. Mm. And the main section that it comes from is Genesis 1, 26 through 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Cool. So does that mean God's in human form? Hey, do you mean like God is in, like, Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> well, we know he he was in human form when he lived on the earth here. Um, yeah, so how about God the Father? God the Father is a spiritual being, so no. Okay, just checking. Okay, want to see what you thought about that. No, so we hear about the image of God. In immediate context, what does it sound like to be an image? What do you think, Mom? Just hearing those verses. Um... Gosh, what, what is, I'm I'm very bad about like articulating on is, the spot like that. It's okay. Um, I just wanted to see if there's anything you notice before we actually start talking about the intricacies or any like too many details well, parts of this. Okay, so so I did various research and on Christianity.com, uh, what they said was that passage doesn't imply that God is in human form, but that humans are in the image of God in their moral, spiritual, and intellectual essence. Okay, I don't. I don't think that's bad. I think those. A lot of those are things are found in scripture, but I don't think those are things necessarily found in this specific passage. When you only want to look into immediate context, God says, "Let us make man in our image," and then and then what's the reason? And let them have dominion over the fish, over the air. Right, they're in charge. They're in charge. Right, they're, they're God. The- they're my representatives on the earth. Mm-hmm. Right, and because He gave them that. Yes. Authority. He gave yes. them. It's the essentially the authority, or it's essentially the thing that helps us be at the top of the food chain on this planet. You know, the interesting thing about that, um, and I don't think we've really talked about this on the pod before, but, you know, there's so many animal activists out there. And, like, one of the challenges that I've seen is I have, oh, I mean, I love dogs. I have a lot of friends that have dogs, but I, as I see today, it's like pets have become like a pseudo child, and don't, don't like I have a good boy. <laughs> no, but but what I'm saying is, we of course we want to be good to our animals, and of course I want to spoil them. I love like the cute little outfits that you can put on the dogs, and 
I'm sorry, I do. I, I just I, think it's fun. I, I know not. you guys have boy dogs, so you don't want to do that with your boy dogs. Although, Buddy used to Steeler. wear his Steelers I can, jersey. I would put Revan in a Steelers jersey, but okay. mainly because he's already has black fur, okay. so he wouldn't get that much hotter. But the bottom line is, is that what I have found today is that I feel as though people have like raise the level of their pets to human status. Yeah. And they don't treat them they 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 treat them like they would a person. And I you know, I just struggle with that. Again, we of course we want to protect our animals, we want to take care of them. I think we're charged with doing that. But I, I mean, I think a, a very popular, sorry to interrupt. I think a very popular media example that some of our listeners might be familiar with is the very first John Wick movie. Did you ever watch that? No. So there's this old, like, I think he's retired when the movie starts or something, like assassin or something. He's just, like, living his life after he's retired. And some gangsters try and think it would be a good idea to kill his dog. And so they that's how the movie starts. That's his, like, motivation. Sometimes I do not know what you are watching, child. I, I haven't watched them in a very long time. Okay. Uh, but they are supposedly very good movies. I have only ever seen the first one. Uh, but essentially, it's this man who loses his dog and then proceeds to be want vengeance against this gang and takes them all out. He ends over his dog. Yeah, so that's a really good example. Would you be willing to kill 20, 30, 50, 100 people? No, you shouldn't be willing to, to kill a person over a dog. I'm sorry. It's like we as humans are at the top of the food chain according to the Lord. And I'm sorry, but he rules his words, his his creation, and he gets to decide. And so I just find that with some people, they elevate the animals to, like, some actually elevate them higher than people, other people, but, but even if you're trying to elevate them to one. the same status, yes, we do, um, It's it's not. It's like, I'm sorry, but... You know, people are people and animals are animals. Yeah. And But that being said, we have to protect them. It doesn't give us a, that doesn't give us the means to mistreat them or to do anything bad by them. We need to take care of them. Yeah, the, I remember the key word is dominion. Exactly. And so dominion is like your realm, the, what you yes, rule. exactly. Should a king mistreat their subjects? Right. And mm-hmm. obviously, no. A king no, is a, yeah, a good king. He takes care of them. He of loves course, them. Absolutely. He still enforces justice. He still will potentially do things that could harm an animal because it may be to protect other animals. It could be for any sort of thing like that. But if you're using your dominion well, you're not actively going out and harming things. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally agree. And so I think going into a little bit more of the nitty gritty is, as you you talked a little bit about what you've researched before we sat down, mm-hmm. but I don't know how many of these things I'm going to go over a list of different okay. things I've encountered just in seminary that people have casually thrown out over church history for what the image of God means. Okay, dominion, which is the first one, mm-hmm. and that's normally seen uh, in pure context of Genesis one. Consciousness, intelligence, rationality, relationships, but like relatability, essentially, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. physical appearance, possessing a soul, morality, God's representatives, identity. 
Did you encounter any of those, do you feel like, when you were doing research? Uh, relationship, for sure, for sure, is part of um, what I re- researched. You know, when we think about the physicality, of course, Jesus walked the earth, and he was a human, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, half God, half man. And um, so, clearly, there is the physical nature of Jesus when he walked here. And although what really cracks me up, um, so we, since we're talking about Jesus in a physical sense, how often he's portrayed with light hair and blue eyes, um, pretty sure that wasn't the case. Um, I mean, I know that there have been uh, there, and I didn't, I didn't um, like print any of this out or retain it, but the oldest pictures of Jesus were from like eighty. AD, and um, I thought it looked like a pretty good uh, like estimation of what I would anticipate that he would look. Now we're talking, you know, Middle Eastern area. Yeah, dark so skin. Dark skin, dark hair. hair. It wasn't dark, Beard. dark skin, though. Like, you know, I've seen different portrayals and different images, um, physical images. and Yeah, the uh, Jews were still, for the most part, coastal, relatively mm-hmm, speaking. Very mm-hmm. desert and coast, which yeah. is an odd mixture, but us in SoCal kind of get that too. Yeah, I would say like an olive skin kind of uh, hue and dark hair for sure and not blue eyes. Oh, yeah, definitely not blue eyes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Now, here's a fun question. If we... And are in some capacity made in God's physical image. Does that mean the people who physically look more like Jesus have a better image of God than others? No, because we are who we are based upon kind of like where we're from originally. And and so, you know, the differences between somebody who was born in Sweden and somebody who was born in Africa or who was born in Asia, they're going to look differently depending upon the area where they originated and a lot of that is scientific, you know, in terms of, like, why they are the way they are. And I sure. think everyone represents sure. the Lord. And it's like, th- those were for people's protection. I And I, I agree with that. I mean, I agree with that train of thought. It's just more so when you start talking about the idea. Because there are some people who think we are purely made in God's physical image. Like God foreknew what Jesus was going to look like and he made us in his physical image so that way we could eventually have Jesus. I've heard some people say that before. I guess I'm not really clear on that when you think about like what Jesus looked like. I mean and so uh, well I'm just saying like when you look at his family and so forth. I mean you know the Jewish were the chosen people. Right, and so he definitely looks like that. You know, he has yeah. those features from from that area again in the Middle East, and and so. But I've honestly never thought that because of the way that I physically look, I'm less close to the Lord, or I'm less of a person because I look differently than that. And what about being a female? Yeah. Right. I mean. I mean exactly. Exactly. You know. That, but that's 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 why I actually say that maybe to a very small portion of being a made in God's image is that, but it's very minuscule. It is almost insignificant in the sense when it comes to actually figuring out what it truly means to be made in God's image. 
uh, because there, there are certain dangers with some of these where they have this implication that if you're not good at that or you're not as much of that as someone else, that you have less of God's image somehow. Like one of my favorite authors of uh, the early church fathers was Athanasius. He wrote a very famous text called On the Incarnation. It's one of my favorite books I've actually ever read. And it's also what, essentially, it's the first theological writing outside of Scripture about Jesus' divinity as being fully God and why he has to be fully God, why he has to be eternal and self-sufficient. Okay. Uh, And I absolutely love it, but he views part of the image of God, because a part of his arguments uh, was talking about the image of God, is that it's rationality. It's the ability to be intelligent. Because in his mind, uh, salvation come, came through intelligence, which is not something that's a stereotype nowadays, obviously. Mm. Now, normally, there's stereotypes negative of like, oh, you're a Christian, you must be dumb. You must mm-hmm. be anti-science. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was very much like, no, like when you're saved, you become more intelligent and you get develop rationality. And that was, a, that was a part of his argument for Christ's divinity. Which well, you know, most colleges that began in the United States that date also way started back, seminaries. they started out of seminaries. Yes. Yeah. And, but the, the, then the risk of that is if you have someone who's mentally handicapped, if say the image of God is purely the ability to reason, does that mean someone who's born mentally handicapped is less of a person? No. And yeah, cause, and that's the difficulty because when mm-hmm. you're starting to say that the image of God is purely... <laughs> Sorry, his alarm went off. It was a reminder to call my brother. I try and call him Sundays. Mm. Good Sorry. reminder. Good reminder, bad timing. My bad, guys. Uh, but that uh, what that difficulty of that implies is that if you have someone who's mentally handi- handicapped or has Down syndrome or something, that they're somehow less of a person. I don't think that's the case. Because ultimately what the image of God is is what gives us personhood. Mm-hmm. That's what God's bestowing on us in that moment. In Genesis 2-7, when he talks about he crafts us of the mud of the earth and then breathes us into the breath of life, it's that moment where he breathes into that breath of life that he creates us in his image. It's that breath of life. It's that aspect of the soul. Some part of us, a part of it can be reason, but it's not all of it, I don't mm. think. It's just like uh, as morality. Morality is one of the trickier ones because... Is a more moral person, is a more uh, moral person necessarily more like God than someone else? Because what if you have someone who is an atheist and they're very moral? Mm-hmm. Does that mean they have a better image of God than others? I mean, they're not going through salvation. They're not going through the aspect of God saving our soul. And so are they, are they really closer to God then if they are somehow more moral than a Christian who is really struggling through things because they suffered through addiction or they did some awful things and they got saved when they were in prison and they're really working out through a lot of their trauma and their failures. Yeah, that, that it's, those are really good questions. I mean, clearly the Lord... You know, our relationship with him, um, I mean, it's all about the relationship aspect, and I think that's why that came up a lot when I was doing my research, and how we look physically in my book has nothing to do with it. I yeah. just don't think it does. No, yeah, I don't think it does I mean, because we're either. all unique, and it's like, you know, there's no pecking order by the way you look. I mean, society thinks so sometimes in certain things, but... 
Um, we all know that it's about like the heart and the Lord looks at the heart. And so did he look at our heart and then he decided what we were going to look at? Like, I, <laughs> well, um, <laughs> is that, is that unclear? Like what well, I'm no, saying? I get what you're saying. I was talking about the last minute or two. I was talking about the ability to reason and morality and things like that. I had, right. No, I understand. But what I'm saying is in, in, in any of it, it is it a reflection of our heart? Is oh. a reflection of who we are. Did God foreknow who we would be and then make us accordingly? Yes, right. Rather than just make us and and that's a whole conversation about predestination. That well, exactly. I mean, I'm just saying what into. we're talking about now is there, there's so many different aspects to this. I can see where you know this. Um, we could probably have 10 episodes to talk about this. We can honestly dedicate know. a full episode to each of these subjects. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So here's the last one and the one that you brought up, relatability or relationships. Did you, what did you find or what did you see? Let's see. I, I'm, I'm going to have to look. I, I don't know that I actually generated anything other than that there are um, different views, um, Christians have different views about the image of God, and one of them was a relational view. And uh, that perspective comes into play when um, that insists that most humans are, or humans are most like God when it comes to their unique relational qualities. That is, humankind's ability to engage in complex interpersonal relationships that best reflects the divine. And um, so it's just that was the relational view. Yeah. And, and that first one was the resemblance view, which we kind of talked about, you know, in terms of where we bear certain qualities, characteristics, or endowments um, that make us like God. It's interesting. Because, and so I think for a lot of people in America, they actually view being made in the image of God as pretty much just that, what you said. That they view it as somewhat synonymous. I'm actually one of the, I think one of the few people in my class who didn't agree with my most of my fellow classmates that relatability. I'm, I'm normally very amicable. You're an eight. And You're I'm a also challenger. a nine. I am mostly That's a nine. That's true. It's very unusual to be an eight and a nine. Because eight and, to me, an eight and a nine are so, like, diabolically opposed to each other. I mean, most eights I know have wing nine. Hmm. Wow. Uh, Not me. <laughs> no, but you wing have seven. Wing, wing seven. Mm-hmm. You like to challenge people and have fun doing it. I do. It's true. Uh, what was my train of thought? Sorry. Oh, so talking about relatability. Oh. Enneagram. Because essentially my professor <laughs> my professor also agreed with me. I actually agreed with my professor that I had at the time thinking mm. about this. Okay. Uh, but a lot of my classmates were like, yeah, totally. But out of my own experience of being someone who's very socially awkward and of being someone who didn't always know what to say, didn't know how to relate to people for struggled doing that for a pretty long time in middle school and high school and even early college. Does that mean because it took so much more effort for me to understand relationships and it took me so much more work for me just to kind of get to the basics where everyone else was at for at certain points. Does that mean I was made in less of God's image than other people? Okay. Because essentially I would, I would use the same similar argument for reason, reason or uh, physical appearance on the ability to have relationships. If one person struggles to achieve relationships more than someone else, does that mean they lack 
No, that means your gifts are somewhere else. The Lord says that he gives us different gifts. And so mm-hmm. that's just not a gift of yours to engage in relationships. But your, your oldest brother was the exact same way. I mean, totally. he, he, he was very much the same way. And so, and he also didn't really start engaging others more so until he was in college. I think college really helped. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, but I just look at it as that, that's just one aspect of it. I mean, yeah. there's so many aspects to us and so many different characteristics that we all have. And, you know, some people are outgoing, some people are introverts. I mean, there's just so many different aspects to who we are. And we are made uniquely yes. by the Lord. And he loves each of us the way that we are. And so we shouldn't try to be somebody else. He wants us to be comfortable who we are because he created us. Now, that doesn't mean we don't contribute at all to the situation. I mean, I think we need to take yeah. care of ourselves and do what we can to be the best vessel that we can for him. And sometimes we don't always make good choices there, whether in, in how we speak or maybe how we take care of ourselves or those things, but we control that. And so I think we, you know, we need to do our job the best that we can. Um, but I tell you, the flesh is weak, right? You know, this is like, I feel like I'm always on a diet, but you know, just trying to always get healthier. And um, so does that mean that I'm, less of a person to God because I struggle with weight and, you know, no, I have a weakness not. in food. Right. So it's like, you know, I and think we so, can point to anything and, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. And, and you're going to have different viewpoints, different, um, you're going to be, you know, we're, there's a scale and, and, and there's going to be people the far left of the scale and the far mm-hmm. right of the scale and all in between. Well, it's, it sounds like you would agree with me and my professor then. Okay, so I didn't hear what your answer is, though. I haven't, I haven't shared it yet. Okay, share I did it. mention it in the list. <laughs> share it. So my professor pretty mm-hmm. much said, what about D, all the above? Okay. And he said identity. Mm-hmm. Not even necessarily the ability to reason out your identity, mm-hmm. because that's more so the ability to reason, but the ability to just hold an identity. Mm-hmm. I am a son. Mm-hmm. I have a parent. I am mm-hmm. intelligent. Mm-hmm. I am outgoing. I am a f- faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It's the ability to hold identity that consists of every one of the other little details and more that we've mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I actually really like that because it's essentially it's saying the idea of the image of God is more than just relationships. It's more than just the ability to think. It's more than just a, a part of having a physical appearance. It's more than just having a soul. Mm-hmm. It's all these things interwoven inexplicably that is also who God is. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes us, in a sense, true. In a sense, that's what makes it true that the simplest definition that the word image, and I haven't, I didn't directly mention this yet, the word image in Hebrew can also mean the word statue or idol, like like a stone statue or image. So we are God's fleshy statues covering the earth well and if you think about like the human body and you think about like all the different functions that a human body possesses and and enacts and you know your left hand has a very different function than your pancreas has Mm -hmm. a different function than your right toe than your knee than your elbow than your eye they they all have a special purpose and 
like maybe you would kind of categorize them in terms of what you would perceive to be more important, but I guarantee you that you really want all of those yeah, pieces. Yeah, every, everyone knows their favorite organ. It, right? <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, it's like, you know, we all we all need to keep in mind that while it's kind of like when you're yeah. serving the Lord, you know, a lot of times people will look at, say, maybe the worship team or the people that are like front and center and you're paying like maybe closer attention to that they're more important than the person who's cleaning the bathrooms. No, the people that are cleaning the bathrooms are keeping that place comfortable so people can actually attend worship and be there. So we can't be comparing apples the, to oranges. Yes, exactly. I mean, ev- yeah. you know, all everyone, everyone's role, everyone's the way that they serve is important. And um, we, you know, I think that's just a reflection of today's society. And because we put like you know Hollywood stars and everything up yeah. on these pedestals, which, yeah, sorry, but if we look at their personal lives, so often they they're they're in peril, they're, yeah, you know, because um, because they are the face of the news, you know, and that's that's a lot of pressure to put on someone, and uh, so anyway, bottom line is is that we all have a role to play. And it's how he created us. And so when he created us in his image, he has, when you think about creation in general, I mean, it's so magnificent and it's so broad and all-consuming. I, 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 can't even, I can't even articulate, you know, how to describe his creation and how complex it is. And when you think about the complexity of it, like, doesn't that speak to why we're all different? Yeah. I mean, and because he needs all of us to be who he created us to be because he has a role for us. Yeah. Which is why he made more than one image, more than one statue, so to speak. Taking it in its most simplest version sort of covers the idea of identity. And that's why he made many of us. Why right. there are plenty of us. Why his first command is be fruitful and multiply. Because mm-hmm. I want a lot of images of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're all different. And I mean, some people can be similar, but there's still differences. And so essentially, the, yeah, but essentially it allows there to be a central idea of what being made in God's images as well as allow for variation. For some people, part of their central part of what it means to be made in God's image might be their brain and their ability to reason and think mm-hmm. and understand science and his beauty. For someone else, mm-hmm. it can be art because mm-hmm. God's an artist. He painted the sky, mm-hmm. the heavens exactly. above. For some, it could be motherhood mm-hmm. because neither the scientist or the artist knows the difficulties and frustrations and all those other aspects that can come with being a mom or a dad where yeah, that God some understands people do it so well, you yeah. know, like clearly like some women were just born to be moms and just, you know, it, I, I just admire their patience and, um, their nurturing and, um, it's just, it's just awesome to observe that. And so you wouldn't want that person to be anybody else. Yeah. Because He'd, that's how he created them to be. Yes. And, and that's such a critical why, reason why we need to understand identity is what it is, or mm-hmm. we, uh, being made in God's image. And how we need to applaud and support everyone wherever they are. Because they are who God created them to be. And we're all in his image. We were all created in his image, regardless of what we look like, 
what we do for a living, who we are, like it's all created for him. Mm-hmm. I did, um, have you ever read, this was pretty compelling to me because I, I really enjoy Timothy Keller, um, the author, and uh, my first, uh, the first book that I read of his was The Prodigal God, and I just, just really I've actually enjoyed. never read Prodigal oh God. Oh my gosh, such a, it's a short read, it's so good. It's just such a good book. Uh, the Prodigal God was about, you know, the elder brother and the, the prodigal son story. Um, well, and I say it was about the prodigal son because growing up, it was always about the prodigal son who the yeah, father it's, embraced it's him when he came back. As a, it's always taught as like an evangelistic from the, son, the, the younger son's perspective rather than exactly. the older son's perspective. Right. And so Jesus is actually talking about. And, and Right. And it's like that was so eye-opening to me because I'd never really even thought about it and how often so many of us, especially older adults, how we're often we're the elder brother. We're so judgmental, mm. you know, and, um, you know, the Lord would uh, have him, you know, find the, the one Leave the 99, find the one. You know, it's like that just speaks again to the image of God and who he is and how important we all are. Mm-hmm. And uh, But anyway, um, so Timothy Keller, he just summarized a book. Uh, he uh, Not a book, but actually an article, John Piper. You probably know who John Piper is. So he's a pastor. And mm-hmm. I remember a gal, Judy, that I used to go to work with and she loved john piper and he used to have some radio show that she used to listen to all the time yeah piper's pretty popular yeah anyway he wrote he wrote an article it's a very long article i google it was just too long it was way too long <laughs> for this podcast um but it was called the image of god and approach from biblical and systematic theology and so what timothy keller did was he took that and then summarized it and so i wanted to just cover that briefly so um, the image of God is, is it pronounced imago dei? Imago dei. Uh, imago dei, okay. And that is Hebrew? That is Latin. That is Latin. That is Latin from the image of God. Imago dei. So what he's saying, again, this is his interpretation of John Piper's article, okay? So what is imago dei? And the image of God is not so much something that man has as something that man is. Humankind was created to be a graphic image of the creator, a formal, visible, and understandable representation of who God is and what he's really like. Yes. Okay. And so, yeah. Can I just go through this and then you can... Yeah, sure. I thought you were done. I'm sorry. No, no, I have more. And the Imago Dei is not a quality possessed by man. It's a condition in which man lives, a condition of confrontation established and maintained by the creator. One of the questions, did sin remove the image of God? And no, man's fall into sin didn't destroy or remove the image of God. It disfigured it. I like how he put that. That, That's pretty cool. Yeah, it damaged it. Yeah, exactly. And um, so what was the effect of sin when it comes to the image of God in man? And since man has sinned, he's certainly not as fully like God as he was before. His moral purity has been lost, and his sinful character certainly does not reflect God's holiness. His intellect is corrupted by falsehood and misunderstanding. His speech no longer continually glorifies God. His relationships are often governed by selfishness rather than love and so forth. 
but man is still in the image of God. And the image of God is what makes man human. Man could not lose the image without ceasing to be who he is. Moreover, it's only because man keeps his image of God, even in a broken or distorted form, that man is redeemable and worth redeeming. Without it, God wouldn't have had any reason to send his son to die on our behalf. And I thought that was just like so perfect. And it's kind of like it reminds me of how, you know, when we're we're trying to talk to our maybe unbelieving friends or whatever, um, the unchurched, as Andy Stanley puts it. And, um, you know, a lot of times people feel like they're not good enough to go to church. And it's like, no, that, that we're like a hospital for sinners, you know. And, and it's like we're the ones that we need to be there. It, it's we're all sinners and we all have we all fall short of his glory but we're still created in his image and um so every single human being no matter how much the image of god is marred by sin or illness or weakness or age or any other disability getting back to what you were talking about before still is the status of being in god's image and therefore must be treated with the dignity and respect that is due to god's image bearer yes and essentially, that's why one of my professors summed it up as identity. Yes. Is he took that idea of it's all these things pointed together that let us be, like I was saying, a scientist, artist, mother, what mm-hmm. have you, to have these things that make us who we are as these fleshy representatives of God I on like Earth. that, fleshy representatives. Okay. Now, what is interesting, though, is this also then it can depend not it can depend it can affect the way we understand our relationship with jesus a little bit because jesus is then created in the perfectly in the image of god okay because he is god Mm -hmm. so when we think of becoming more and more like jesus we're also thinking about becoming more and more human because we're trying to become more and more like the central quality that makes us people well, what's really funny about what you just said is I would think the opposite. I would yep. think that I would be wanting to become more like Christ God more versus like his, his, yes. More like his divine His divine his self versus self. his physical self. Like, I honestly don't ever think about becoming more like him physically. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing is when... Do we talk? Have we talked about what it, the dichotomy of the human person? If do we have a soul? Are we a soul? We have at some point. I don't remember which one it was. Uh, but I I always talk about how we we are the physical and metaphysical. However, that manifests. That's what I always tell people. Whether that's a soul and a spirit, just a soul, soul, spirit, conscious mind, what have you. F- two parts, five parts, a hundred parts. <laughs> you have the physical and metaphysical. And when Jesus incarnated into flesh, he also took on that same intricately woven complexity that made him one. He is one now. He is a human being. He is both fully God and fully man. But he allowed us to be reintroduced that aspect of perfectness, purity, holiness into our human nature because he was also made in the image of God. And so because of all this, there introduces that idea of becoming more and more like Jesus, becoming more and more made in the image of God as we should be, then 
we should also be becoming more and more human as we were meant to be. Because it's not humans as in like selfie, selfish, yeah, selfie stuff. For some people, it's selfies. It is. It is for some people. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, but selfishness or anything like that, it is being more and more human. Me can mean being more and more present with people, being more and more caring, being more and more of that scientist that God made you to be, being a better and better artist, so you can perfectly replicate aspects of God's creation and give it to people. It's an interesting perspective, honestly, for my point. I don't think I've ever looked at it that way. I've always looked at it the way that I said, more in the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. And um, because to me, that's where the connection is with the Lord in the spiritual realm. And so not in the physical realm, even though we can use our physicality to create things for the spiritual realm. I don't think of it in terms of the physical realm. Yeah. And I think... I think part of it, too, can be that we often think of it as one or the other when it's always both. That's, that's a really good point, and you're right. I think I have definitely thought of it as one or the other. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I think I always go back to die to flesh. You know what I mean? It's like more of him, less of me, and I, I think of myself in the flesh. And so it's like I don't want to, like, be more like that. I want to be more like him. And so that's why I kind of feel the way I feel. It's just more in a spiritual sense, not in a physical sense. Yeah. And, I, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's well said. And I think that's part of why that selfishness, that fleshiness, it keeps us in our head. It keeps us thinking about the earthly so much and trying to attain the spiritual, the metaphysical one. When we're walking in the spirit, when we're mm-hmm. with God, mm-hmm. we are both. You know, um, I don't remember whether it was a, a pod with you or it was with Scott. I think it was with you, and I shared this, and you, I think, somewhat disagreed with it. And this was something that I had heard about 10 years ago, and it really affected me. And it's the it's statement where he says, you're not a soul, you are a soul, you have a body. Yeah, that's why I did definitely disagree with I, I it. I believe you disagreed with it. But that, to me, is so meaningful because it's kind of a, similar to what I was saying. It's like I look at it that my primary essence is a soul, and I have this flesh that's on top of it. And, and I like to believe that, the, that my soul is what's governing the whole entity, right? Although we know the flesh... It's a struggle, though. Like, yeah. it's a good, to me, it's a good depiction of the struggle. I see it better that way, where I see this flesh that's upon my soul, because I have the ability and the power to do the right thing by being in connection with the Lord, being in communication with the Lord. And I do that in a spiritual sense, not in a physical sense. And so for me, it's easier to look at it as I'm the soul, this flesh is on me, and um, so my soul is ruling the flesh. Sure, and honestly, even if I disagree with the sen- the, sen- the sentiment or the sentence, uh, not sentiment, disagree with the sentence or the statement, mm-hmm. uh, if that sentiment is what helps you grow spiritually and mm-hmm. be godlier, then do mm-hmm. it. Right, right. Uh, and I could talk all day about why I disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you did. And honestly, I don't remember which pot it was. Uh, but. Yeah. In, in short, I just think we focus, if we, if we try and take that outlook, it almost diminishes the body part of it. Well, I think, and I it, think 
It does somewhat. I agree with that. Um, and so, therefore, that kind of detracts from him creating us and his creation, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I get what you're saying. And, and as well as it, it, what, like, what, even what you said we're talking about is good. If that encourages people, if it helps keep people, people focused, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Think of it that way. But part of being made in God's image and then falling into sin means it's more than just our body that was so affected it, by sin. It you, was also our souls. Yeah, and you said that before. It's it's all it's, we're together. It's all in one. We are. Yeah. The, the word in my in my seminary that uh, the phrase we used was we are pervasively depraved. Every aspect of who we are as a person has been damaged by sin. Mm-hmm. Not just the body, not just the soul, all parts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, did you have any final thoughts before nope, I shared I, any Bible I, verses? Nope, I think we covered a lot. I, I, I've enjoyed this. Awesome. These last two verses are going to feel like circling back a little bit because I actually wanted to, I was like, oh, no, my Bible verses would be really convenient here like five minutes ago. Uh, the first one is Colossians one fifteen. This is a verse a lot of you have probably heard. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Just that idea that he is the perfect image of who God is. Of all the people made in God's image, he is mm-hmm. the most. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's why we're all trying to become more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And what do you know? That's what the next verse says, Romans eight twenty nine. Uh, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So that might be a good topic, predestination, since we talked about that before, and now you have that verse. So I don't know. Maybe it's a sign, Brian. Maybe we could right. talk about predestination. We could some talk point. about that. I'd really like to talk about that because I'm really unclear. Yeah. On on. I, I think I upset. A, I think I upset a lot of people because most people talk about one camp or the other, and I say mm-hmm. no. The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. So we're gonna shelf that for uh, maybe the next time we yep. get together. But um, yeah. But with that. Thank you guys for listening. Let us know if you have any questions uh, about the image of God. If there's anything you disagree with, uh, please don't yell at us too much. Uh, But really, guys, please be sure to follow, uh, lead reviews, uh, whatever you guys would like to do to help encourage us or as well as uh, provide us some feedback, how we could be better as well as some conversation topics. Absolutely. We're open. You can uh, hit us at realworldpod at gmail.com. That's still our email, right? That is the email. And Brian, it's just a pleasure to do this with you. I really enjoy getting to spend the time together. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Thank you all. Have a great day. See you guys.